14, I mentioned that this morning. I'm just going to continue on here. Because of the busyness of the week, I am a little more familiar with this passage because I primarily worked on Matthew 14. Uh, I'm debating on a title. I think I'll wait till the end, Brother Sean, to give a title here. I, I, I believe I can safely say this, though. As I speak to a Sunday night crowd, many of you are involved in some type of ministry, uh, or at least for the most part, a Sunday night crowd, you're a little bit more grounded and you are, uh, you're a little more active in your witness for Christ. I believe really this is a portion of scripture that will benefit you in your service, uh, dealing with those who uh, minister. If you're able to stand, let's go ahead and look at verse 13 through 21. Verse 13 through 21, and I think I've just switched over here so I can leave the podium when I'm ready to. And again, it's important that we understand what we're about to read uh, is the response of the Lord after hearing that John the Baptist is dead. Okay, so the Bible says this, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. Yes, that is how that is pronounced. Trust me, for a long time I called it victuals. And everything in my redneck body wants to call it victuals. But those who claim to be educated told me I was wrong. I don't know if I should believe them. I'm still hooked on phonics. All right, we move on here. Sorry about all that. Okay, where'd we go here? Where'd I leave off? Verse 15. When it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away. They may go into the villages and buy them victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give you them to eat. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. And they had to get those from a little boy. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. And they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children. Just in passing, that means there easily could have been 10,000 people there. Easily. If you would agree that there were probably as many women and children as there were men, at least. So there was a lot of people that were fed. Well, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we ask that you'd bless the service this evening. I certainly uh, need your help, and I am trusting in you to guide and direct and I pray that you'd minister to hearts, help impress upon my heart that which is most important, as there are a number of 
uh, principles and Bible truths in this passage that would bless us, but certainly there may be something that needs to be emphasized in a greater capacity. I pray that each person here would feel as though this is for them and they would get what you have for them. We know that you told us those that have an ear, uh, let them hear what the Spirit has to say. And so it is up to us. We're thankful for your holy word and this record, this amazing account. And so we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of work our way down on this passage in just a moment. But in review, uh, in summary as we get started though, Mark chapter 6 and John chapter 6 give us the similar account of the feeding of the 5,000. Now Matthew is the only one that specifically tells us that the disciples of John came to Jesus. We do know in the other two accounts that Jesus heard. He had to hear from somebody. Matthew tells us it was John's disciples. The other two accounts give us a little extra information that Matthew doesn't have. So if you want the full picture there, you read both of those. Again, if you have a Schofield or a reference Bible, it may already tell you. Mark chapter 6, 30 through 44, you'll find it. And John chapter 6, you'll see this same story. In, in essence, on all occasions, uh, in John it, it doesn't have the emphasis here, but uh, uh, in, in, in every occasion, though, this spins off the death or the martyrdom of John the Baptist. And so the first thing I want us to notice is this. These disciples come to Jesus. Their heart, would, you, would you think their hearts are heavy, yes or no? I would th- yeah, I think it's pretty obvious, obvious. We could all honestly say their hearts are heavy. I mean, they were loyal to John. They loved John. They admired John. They stayed with John even when John was trying to point them to Jesus, okay? And so... Uh, Uh, They stayed with him. At least they knew where to go when he died. They go to Jesus with heavy hearts. And what we find here, after Jesus hears it, the Bible immediately tells us when Jesus heard of it, he departed. Now, the first thing I think is important that we grasp is this. He didn't raise him from the dead. And there's other occasions where Jesus raised the individual from the dead. But he didn't raise John from the dead. John's going to have his resurrection day. Just as everybody that's dead will have their resurrection day. John will have his resurrection day. And the fact of the matter is, those that were resurrected, like Lazarus, like that young man uh, in the city of Nain that was resurrected, Jesus showed up during a funeral uh, procession and saw the weeping mother, touched the child, the dead child, and the child rose, and, uh, and Jairus' daughter, when he went into the room, and he, he brought her back to life. On those occasions, I mean, they were dead physically, and they were brought back to life, but the reality is this, they had to die again. Because these bodies, these physical bodies, are not meant for eternity, they're not meant for glory. We're just not going to be in these bodies forever. And so John is not baptized. I don't know if those fellows were expecting that or not. Nevertheless, though, it appears, it seems like at first uh, read, you look at that and say, well, Jesus, are you doing anything about it? Well, Jesus has some men with him as well. And I don't know if those disciples stayed with Jesus. I hope they did. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. I do not know they did the right thing by going to Jesus. But Jesus, it's apparent that the ministry's been going on strong. Because you've got to remember what took place before this little episode, at least from, if we kind of read it in a chronological order here, uh, uh, he has been busy 
busy, busy serving, and so have his disciples. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, we get some more clarity. Jesus says to his disciples in Mark 6, verse 31, Come ye into a desert place and rest a while. It's the same passage. It's the same story, same narrative. Now, we don't read that phrase here, but when Jesus says this, now look at the way it reads. When he heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. It is obvious Jesus wanted to separate himself. Hello? The word apart. Okay, and when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. Jesus was trying to separate himself, and I don't know if it was as much for him as it was for, or if it was for his disciples, but there is a lesson that needs to be brought up real quickly, just in passing. There is a time for rest. There flat out is a time for rest. Okay, uh, and if Elijah maybe would have uh, been mindful of that, he may not have been fearful of Jezebel back in uh, 1 Kings chapter 18. Because as we would read that narrative, we discover all he needed was some rest. You know, the fact of the matter is, fatigue will make cowards of us all. Psalms 127 tells us, he gives his beloved sleep. Hallelujah for a good night's rest. Is that not a good thing? I mean, people that are working appreciate it. Hey, man? Now, people that don't, they may not appreciate it, but people that are working can appreciate it. And, and so the Lord is just, we see here, he's separating himself. He's get, and sometimes when you've got a heavy heart, I believe Jesus was as much human as he was God. I believe this affected him as well, emotionally. Not that he may not, he may have known all about it. I don't know what limitations he put on himself, you see, because he had to put limitations on himself, all right, to uh, uh, appear or to live more human like you and I. And so I don't know if he allowed it to be a surprise uh, in a while when he heard the news, and maybe he knew it was coming and he heard the news. I believe it affected him. It was his cousin. I believe it affected his heart. You know, sometimes when you've got a heavy heart, sometimes a, a, an answer is, i just got to get away for a little while. Not away from the Lord, but just away from the crowd. Hello, you hear me? I mean, you just need, to, need a reprieve. You need to refresh yourself, reboot. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't feel bad about that. But as soon as I say that, I keep reading the passage. It's like, boy, he tries to do that, and it doesn't happen. But again, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we read here in verse, the end of verse 13, And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. So he takes this boat to go to a different place. The people heard he'd left, and they walked around the, the lake and found him in large masses. From different cities, word spread. Jesus is over there now. Verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them. There's a lesson here, just a simple lesson. If you don't mind me being devo devotional about all this. Uh, the reality is this. We serve best with a burdened heart. We do. And some people 
it's difficult for them to even want to serve because they don't have that burdened heart. But I would tell you this, if you'll just get involved and see needs, if you go visit the bus route, if you go work in different children's ministries or the nursing home and see needs, it very well may affect you. It very well may affect you. Can you imagine uh, being at the Gaza Strip after the chaos of Hamas and say they've evacuated, but there you have all those broken buildings and broken lives there, and you're there right in the middle. The Bible says this in Lamentations 3.51, Mine eye affecteth my heart. A lot of people don't have a burden because they're not looking. They're not looking. I'm telling you, there's hurting people everywhere. And there's somebody you can be a blessing to and a help to. Jesus looks out and he sees the multitudes, but he doesn't just see the multitudes, he sees the individuals. He sees sick people. He sees heavy-hearted people. He sees every single individual. It's interesting, the account in John chapter 6 is significant. In John chapter 6, Jesus specifically asks Philip, how much bread do we have? And it goes on to say this, for he himself knew what he would do. And it goes on to say that he might prove him or show Philip something specific. In the multitude, he was thinking, I've got a, I not only want to help the multitude, but I want, I want to help Philip here. Well, that's not the only occasion where the, we see a multitude, but he also pays attention to the individual. Remember that lady with the issue of blood? Oh, she had to press through a large crowd of people, did she not? She thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, just touch the hem of his garment, he'll heal me. I've spent all my money on the doctors. It didn't work. If I can just get to the hem of his garment. And she worked her way through the large crowd of people, and she touched the hem of his garment, and whoa, she experienced a miracle. And she was shocked. And Jesus, amongst all those people, he looks to his disciples. He knows what's going on. But he looks to his disciples. He said, somebody touched me. Well, the disciples said, Lord, there are people thronging you all over. What do you mean somebody touch me? Somebody touch me. You see, the touch of faith is a whole lot different than just accidentally running into somebody. And God knows it every time an individual touches him by faith. Every time when you sincerely go to God in prayer, he knows it. Every time you exercise faith, a genuine faith, God knows it. He knows it. He's paying attention to that. And here that woman, amongst all those people, Jesus is paying attention to all of them, but oh, he's paying attention to the individuals too. And you may have come tonight and thought, well, I hope I get something out of the message. Well, I do too. Keep your cup ready. I mean, we're just going through the Word of God, and I'll just keep going until we come to something that might help you. But God has a message for you. He has something for you. So anyways, we see this great multitude. And I want to say this, okay, because right now we know that Jesus is physically he may be weary his disciples may be weary otherwise why would he want to come apart I want you to consider this okay because there's a time to come apart but then there's a time to persevere only you and God know this but I know this through experience that a lot of times if we'll persevere that's when we see the biggest blessing of God that's when we get to experience the miracle Sometimes it's, boy, I just got to persevere. I, I've got to go up to my limitations. You know, I love what the Bible says about the Macedonians. They gave beyond their power. Well, how on earth does somebody give beyond their power? 
You can't do it till you give of your power. Hello? You give of your power. God says, now let me show you what I can do. And so, uh, these disciples, they see the crowd, and at first it's like, oh, no. But Jesus preaches to them, ministers to them. He has compassion on them. He doesn't throw them away. He doesn't let the evil of Herod keep them from the goodness of God. And he blesses them. And so we move on here. In verse 15 through 21, here we are now. The feeding of the 5,000 men, 10,000 people most likely. Verse 15, it says, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy them victuals, themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Now this is interesting. Uh, <clears throat> he tells these disciples, and I, I want to speak to those who have a heart to serve the Lord, and you need to know this, because I've needed to be reminded of this over and over again when I've really wanted a, a, a gymnasium and a fellowship hall or a bigger building or another bus and uh, things like that. I, I've, I've had to be reminded of this. What God has given us is sufficient to do His will. What he has given us is... Now, it's only sufficient if we give it to him. This crazy thing keeps rubbing down the back of my neck and it's irritating the fire out of me. All right, I'm going to do this. Hopefully it doesn't... Lift in the back of my hair. So I move my arm, it's like my hair's... Someone's rubbing my head the wrong way. It made me think of the old Billy Sunday. Billy, somebody told Billy Sunday, uh, he was preaching hard about sin. They said, you're rubbing the cat the wrong way. He said, turn the cat around. <laughs> no, this is, this is an absolute biblical truth and reality for anybody who applies it. Because, listen, it's easy to struggle with, I want, I want, I want. But the absolute reality is this. God has given me and God has given you right now all that we need to do His will if I give what I have to Him. Now, they didn't have much. And sometimes it doesn't look like much, that's for sure. You look at my notes and you're going to say, that don't look like much. I looked at my notes and said, don't look like much, Lord. We need you to exercise this in this service tonight. So, <clears throat> but I find it absolutely amazing. I was talking to somebody the other day. Uh, oh yes, one of the couples that joined this morning. Um, I was talking to them about a little history of the church and all of that, and uh, I said, you know, we started over in a little house in, in the middle of town here, and then the Lord let us move over to the gymnasium. That was exciting. Got to set up, tear down, set up. I said, we didn't move into the present property till November of 2004. Looking back, that seems like a short amount of time, but during it, it seemed like eternity, okay? It really did, because for two years, every Saturday, set up, and Sunday morning, tear down. But looking back, I think, wow, that was, we did, things happened quickly. So anyways, uh, I remember thinking, all right, we're here, and then I thought, wow, Lord, well, we made, actually, I remember this, we were, we were making plans. 
Brother Aaron, you may remember this. I remember we talked about, well, do we want to have a, like a gymnasium recreation type center or do we want to do the sanctuary? We want to, we want to build a church. And I know personally, I know personally, my desire and their desire was, let's build the sanctuary. The recreation hall, fellowship hall, that can take care of itself. We came to start a church. And so I remember I, I was telling this couple, I said, you know, I know a lot of ministries, their idea is, well, build the recreation hall first, and then they say, yeah, and they never do build the church. That's what that couple said. I said, well, I can't help them. I just know for us, we could always go rent a building if we needed to. But for some reason, uh, I just believe God honors those who honor him. And looking back, I feel like we made the right choice. I'm not going to deny there's been numerous occasions where I thought, boy, it would be nice to have more space so we could fellowship. And I know we used to divide half this building, and that was, that was, that was all right. <laughs> Smell like food over here, and we'd be preaching over here, you know. But you still had to set up and tear down. That was a pain. Had to put tarps down. But you know, regardless, God has given us what we needed to do His will. And He's always given, He, he will always give you what you need. You, regardless of what type of limitations you may feel you have, when you give it to the Lord, hey, listen, God knows your abilities. John the Baptist said this about Jesus, and, he, and it really, it, it, he said it about all men. He said, no man can receive anything except to be given him from God. That's what John the Baptist said. Now, James, he said it a little bit different when it comes to good gifts and perfect gifts. He says, every good gift and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning, James 1.17. Every good thing you and I have, God has given to us. If God gave you more than someone else, don't boast or brag. And if God gave you less than someone else, don't get envious or worry. Use what you got for the glory of God. They're sitting here with about five loaves and three, five loaves of bread and two fish here. And uh, they're looking at nearly 10,000 people. And Jesus said, how much do we have? Now, Jesus asked that question. He asked that question. Now, he didn't ask it in this narrative. He asked it in John chapter 6. They say unto him, uh, We only have five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Here's something else you need to get here. He gave to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitude. This is for those of you that are trying to serve the Lord and want to make a difference. Number one, you need to understand you can't make a difference in and of yourself. You can't help people in and of yourself. We help people with what God has given us, with God's help working through us. I, listen, I, I, I don't have anything to give if I haven't received it from God. i got to receive before I can give. Hello? Sam Davison said something that, at the missions conference that I hadn't thought of, to be quite honest. And by the way, he does that a lot of times. Says things I hadn't thought of. You know, he was talking about giving, giving, giving. And he hollers out, 
He says, you know, you ought to give so you can receive. And he paused for effect. People looked at him and said, isn't that selfish? He answered their mental question. He says, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, doesn't that sound selfish? I shouldn't just give so I can receive. He says, yes, you should. Because if you don't, you have nothing else to give. And the reality is God wants to continue to give. You give so you can receive, and you give so you can receive, and you receive so you can give, and you receive so you can give. You want to be able to give more to the Lord? Well, you give. Well, you receive, and then you give. I'm going to get that all mixed up in my head. So I got a kick out of him getting people puzzled for a moment. We must first receive if we're going to be able to give to others. He says to the disciples, have everybody sit down. Now you come here. And he takes the five loaves and he begins to tear them, tear the bread piece by piece, fill up plates or bags or whatever they had. And I don't know what he did with the fish. I don't know how he cut that up. Maybe he gave them fish sandwiches. I don't know. Okay, but uh, he kept cutting and slicing and filling their bag or their plates. And he says, now deliver and, you know, they'd have to keep coming back, and he'd cut, cutting and slicing. And, man, it just went a long ways as long as it was in his hands. As long as they kept coming back to Jesus, they found more to give. As long as they kept coming back, they'd look around at this great multitude, 10,000 people, 12 disciples. Surely we're going to run out, says Peter. Oh, Thomas, he said, absolutely, there's no way this is going to last, because he was a doubter. I don't know, look at, look at Andrew, he's got a full plate, and that's his third trip. <laughs> Let's go on back. They head on back, and they kept filling the plate until everybody, they didn't just get fed, they got filled. That's the way our Lord works. You know, he's not just interested in teasing you, he wants to fill your cup. He wants to fill your cup. And they, I, love, I love that. It, it says they were filled. It, it says in verse 20, And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. You know, there's always more than enough at the Lord's table to fill you. Always. 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 No matter what limitations you think you might have, God knows exactly your ability and His purpose in your life. Let Him use you. Give yourself to Him in service. In conclusion, is that not a happy thought? It's not even 7 o'clock on our digital clock back there. But I want you to notice verse 21. I've always found verse 21 fascinating. And they that had eaten were about 5,000 men beside women and children. Actually, I want to read verse 20. Verse 20. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up the, of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full. Hold the coffee. Wait a minute. Stop. What did you start off with? You only started off with, well, how many, how many loaves of bread was it? Five? How many fish on this narrative? Two? Five? Uh, so that's what they started off with, and they end up with 
12 baskets full. Now, this is a Bible truth. You want to take your Bible, turn over to Proverbs chapter 11 real quick. My dear wife reminded me of something I'd forgot about. She does that too, a lot. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs 11, verse, it's all good, verse 24. Proverbs 11, verse 24. There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than its meat, but it tendeth to poverty. I'm going to give you a visual, then I'm going to give you a story. I haven't done this in a while. There is that scattereth, and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth, that tendeth to poverty. So God tells us there, it's possible to give and get more than you gave. What we find there in the account of Matthew 14, they started off with five loaves of bread and two fish, and they end up with five baskets full, a lot more than what they started with. I can personally attest, when I surrendered my life to the Lord Jesus Christ in 1986, I have far more now than what I had when I started. But it kind of works like this. You can kinda, here's a little visual for you, okay? A little visual. So what you do is you give a little bit of yourself here. Don't lose that now. That's me. You give a little of yourself. You keep giving a little bit of yourself. You got a big hunk of me there. Don't waste that. You get a little of yourself. Uh, You get a little of yourself. You just keep giving. You just keep giving. And you just keep giving. You just keep giving. And you just keep giving. You say, man, I don't know if I can give all this. As long as you got something to give, hey, it's not going to hurt if you give it for the Lord. Do you want some? You want some of me? Come on, you want some? Well, you've got to come on over here. I'm not going to crawl over the ladies. That's not appropriate. Here we go. Do you, do you want some of me? Oh, you don't. Okay, all right. Well, fine. <laughs> here you go. I'm going to give you. Here you go. I'm just tearing, tearing my heart. Oh, you got a big hunk of me there. Here you go. Here you go. I had to use myself up. So anyways, so, you know, you say, well, man, I've only got so much to give, but I'm just telling you, you just, if you do it, you just watch what happens. So everybody that got a piece of me, would you stand? Would you stand? Now, I'd say that's a whole lot more than just one, wouldn't you? I mean, that's a whole lot more. That, hey, that's, make, that's making your investment count there. You give, you give, you let God use you. And God will use you in far, a far greater capacity than you could ever imagine. And the fact of the matter is, you'll end up getting more back than what you ever imagined. You get friendships. I mean, you'll get encouragement from people. When you become a blesser, you get blessed. That's just the way it works. Thanks, guys. Uh, you can throw it away now, but uh, no. Use it as a bookmarker. Now, let me say this. Here at Little Old Lighthouse Baptist Church, I think it's a pretty big deal that we as a church give almost around $75,000 a year for missions. I think that's a pretty big deal. We support 45 missionaries, many of them at $200 a month. That's a pretty big deal. We were at a number of churches, and I'm looking, I'm thinking, yeah, we're doing pretty, you know, you kind of pat yourself on the back. You can't help it, but you compare yourself. I'm sorry, I'm a sinner. But, uh, I wanna, you know, I need to see where we're at. And I'm like, all right. Now, I'm not content. Trust me, I'm not content. I want us to do more for God. But I'm excited 
Because I look at our, our crowd and I think, that's pretty good. But on top of that, we got the, build, the Lord paid the building off. Not on top of that. Man, we're way above budget. On top of that, we're accumulating, ladies and gentlemen. Some of you may not be aware of this, but we're accumulating. I believe God's going to have us build something. I really do. And we're not going to have to be in a big, have a big debt problem. I mean, things are happening. All you got to do is read the bulletin. You might notice we've been above budget. Anybody notice that? Anybody read the bulletin? Yeah, I never read the bulletin when I was a church sitter there. I never read it. It just, like, didn't interest me. Now that I, but as a pastor, I, I do. I'm curious, but I remember just stuffing it in my Bible, and all right, now entertain me. I'm glad you're not that way. I'm glad you want to look at the intricacies of the church. But God has taken a little handful of people here in Lebanon called the Lighthouse Baptist Church, and he's expanded the ministry more than tenfold. Expanded it. I mean, we're blessed. And he's letting us do things to help other people, to be a blessing to other people. I'm excited that we can support more missionaries. I'm thrilled about that. And though Brother Eric Miller is, is resigning, and I understand that's a long time to be in the ministry, well, that opens up the door for us to take some more people on, does it not? And so uh, I ask you to pray about that. But we read this portion of Scripture and this narrative, and I just, I'm like, boy, Lord, I don't, there's so much there, and I don't know what to emphasize. But I see the Lord's response. He's got this heavy heart. And yes, there's a time to take a break when your heart's heavy. But on the same token, I also say this, because I know this, a lot of depressed people, I, I've counseled a lot of depressed people, and I'll close with this. Sometimes the best therapy, because you just can't sit around all the time. You just can't stay a recluse. Sometimes the very best therapy for your weak, empty soul is to go help somebody. Just go help somebody. Ask God to help you be a blessing to somebody and look. Just look. Lord, help us to see somebody in need that we can help. There will always be somebody you can be a blessing to. And you don't have to have money to do that. Can you smile? I mean, just paint one on your face if you have to. Can you shake hands? Can you pray? I mean, we can do those things just to be a blessing. Regardless of how you feel. Because the reality is, as you're helping somebody else, it's going to help you. And I read that story and I think, maybe that's what the Lord really wanted us to get out of that. He departed. He departed with a heavy heart. His disciples may have departed with a heavy heart. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, the great preacher, the man of God, he's dead now. Short life. What are you going to do? Oh, we've got to get away. Oh, about the time we get away, it looks like the crowd, there's busyness going on. The disciples said, Lord, send them away. And the Lord says, no, have them sit down. I can't help it. I want to help them. I love that about our Lord. Oh, he always said, if he would do that in his human humanity, how much more is he going to do it for you now? He says, no, fellas, what you need to do is get busy. And can you imagine each one of those disciples as they brought that plate of food to maybe all these people who are physically hungry saying, thank you. Thank you. And watch the smiles on their face. And they ate till they were full. They probably walked back and they felt real good about themselves. Forgot all about their heavy heart. 
forgot all about the tragedy that took place not too long ago. Yep. Lord, may you bless the service. Thank you for your word. May the Spirit of God help us this evening. Help us, Lord God, to look to be a blessing, look to be a help. We're thankful, Jesus, that you have given us all we need to accomplish your will. May you bless each individual in the room, encourage their hearts. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just say, if, if, if you need to use the altar, you're more than welcome to do that. Uh, I know we've got one that's going to join the church this evening, so if you, if you want to sl- stand up and you can meet Brother Aaron, and, and uh, we need to get him, uh, well, he's already got the card, so I'm going to pray with you here in just a moment, okay? But we're gonna, going to uh, uh, have an invitation song, so you do as the Lord leads. Brother Brian, come on up here.